Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson and with me today are my cohorts, Schnell and Tiege. Say hi, fellas. Hi, fellas. Hi, fellas. Get it. Now, you may know us from our other podcast, <laughs> Beard Gamers, where we attempt to drink a shit ton of beers, play board games, and insult each other. If you follow that podcast, then you already know how much we all love magic, which is what exactly what led me to start this show. We've all played magic collectively for over 30 years, because we're old, so Jesus. together we all have a broad and varied experience with the game. Going forward, I want the show to spark conversations and interests for all players, regardless of skill level, longevity in the game, competitiveness, or anything else. That's why I settled on the homebrew name. Yeah, we all have played in tournaments, but we're also not cutthroat competitive magic players, at least most of the time. Uh, so we hope to offer something for everyone in the audience. One of the unique things about magic is that it's an extremely social game, but it's also a very personal one. So I thought it would be perfect to kick off the show by dedicating the pilot episode to our own personal magic stories. Once you listen to the show, we'd love for you to give a, uh, to shoot us an email, give us a shout to homebrewmagicmke, that's the abbreviation for Milwaukee, at gmail.com. <coughs> And tell us your magic story. We're working on building our online communities, so until those are up and running, please feel free to communicate via that email address or by commenting on the podcast episode itself. Comments and reviews also help our search rankings, so please use this shameless plug as a reminder to tell your friends about us and make sure you all hit subscribe. So, with the self-promotion and the intro out of the way, let's get into our personal magic stories. Teej, you got into the game later than Chanel and I did, so even though you've been playing for a long time, technically with this group, you've been playing for the least amount of time. We're going to start with you. So my magic experience began all the way back in 2008. That's over 10 years ago. Welcome. Or I should say happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was around February time is when it happened. Um, so in my hometown, we had a game store called My Parents' Basement. Hell yeah. Chanel, you might be familiar. I worked there. Oh, yeah, you did. I did. Um... <laughs> And when I was a kid, like in uh, middle school, high school, uh, I was in there a few times and saw all the big people playing games and stuff, and I thought it was really, really cool. But my mom didn't like me going there because they had Dungeons and Dragons there. Your mom, she, too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she was, interesting. <laughs> she was one of those people that didn't like Dungeons and Dragons. She thought it was a cult, and I was going to do terrible witchcrafty things. <laughs> Joke's on so, her. You did that without D&D. That's true. I read Harry Potter. <laughs> um, so fast forward to college, 2008. Uh, I, was in an, I was in an English class, and the professor told us to write a paper about a group of people in the community that you did not belong to. And for some reason, it made me think of the people hanging out at my parents' basement, a group of people that I've always wanted to belong to but never actually did. Thanks, Mom. Yep. So I went to my parents' basement and observed people playing games, and most everyone there was playing Magic. So I did a little bit of research on this I'm just, card game. I'm just picturing you now as Jane Goodall of the nerds. Just <laughs> crouching in the corner with a notebook. Well, just waiting to, <laughs> waiting to assimilate himself. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. Uh, but you're, you're getting slightly ahead of the story. Sorry, sorry. So the what? So I showed up there and I just watched people playing uh, this game, and it looked really fun. I had I had uh, I had played uh, Pokemon before the card game. I played the Star Wars collectible card game when it yes. first came out. <laughs> Me too. 
Um, so I was aware of what collectible card games were, and I liked that kind of game. So people playing this magic thing, it was just another collectible card game. So uh, I did some research on the game on the internet, and went back and talked to the guy in charge of my parents' basement. And I explained what I was doing. I'm here because college sent me to this place, and I have to write a paper on you guys. Was Is that where Jed was still in charge? Yeah. Probably. I have I have no idea who's there. Okay. Uh, but I was like, do you mind if I hang out here with a notebook and write about the people that come into your store, or is that weird? <laughs> I'm doing and an he expose. Says, and he says, he says, I can if I want, but it just so happened that in a week... Uh, it was going to be Manitowoc's very first time holding the Fire and Ice convention. And if I wanted to observe people playing games, the Fire and Ice convention would be the place to go. Because it's bigger and they have more games and stuff. So I thanked him for his time and took a flyer. Uh, I researched this convention, saw some magic events including a draft... Uh, decided to teach myself how to play on the internet, which I did, kind of. And then I went to this convention, and there I was, hiding in the corners, observing people, writing notes down in my notebook, and when they decided to fire off a draft, I paid $10 and signed up to play in this draft. So the very first... That's a cheap-ass draft. Do you still have the notebook? Because I'd really love to read your observations. (laughs) Nope. Everyone smells terribly. (laughs) Lots of ass cracks here. (laughs) Uh, I also am curious, so... When you said you tried to teach yourself on the internet, like, were you playing games online or were you just reading about how the game worked? Nope, I read the rule book. Uh, yeah. I went to Gatherer and I looked up all the different card types. Nice. Uh, and I just familiarized myself with what a card looked like and the different parts of it. And cool. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have even I might have uh, I might have bought like a, what were they called? Uh, like. Cards used to come in like like tournament packs, I think they were. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they were starter decks, like and then they were 45, tournament packs. Forty-five cards, and then forty-five lands. Yep, something like that. And it might have came with a rules insert, so I actually might have picked one of those up for the rules insert. Well, and they used to have seventy-five card boxes as well. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, but so anyway, so I go and I, I sign up for this draft, and I took the quiz online that said that I was a blue player. So I sat down for the draft and I was just Was that picked... quiz on MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think it was on the on the uh, mother page. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, so drafting, all I my strategy was take everything that's blue. And that's what I did. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> but you played the hell out of that mono blue deck. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, there were merfolk in it and counter spells, and uh, I learned some valuable lessons that day. But I fell in love with the game. I fell in love with the people playing the game, uh, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So, also more in preparation for this paper that I wrote, um, there was a, a a book that I checked out of the library about John Finkel, um. and I read that book. Uh, and I used some of that in my paper, and then when this paper was done, I just started playing more Magic. Um, spent a lot of money on cards that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, learned about 
different formats, standard, drafting, that sort of stuff. Um, and i just kind of been playing ever since. Uh, obviously, as time went on, I got to be a better player. Uh, but I learned a lot of lessons um, in that short amount of time. Uh, I remember, uh, what was his name? Jed? Jeb? Jed. Jed. I remember uh, telling him about what I was doing, and I went up to him after I drafted that first deck, and I was like, look, look at what I did. Um, <laughs> Are you proud of me? <laughs> I said, uh, <laughs> and he made a comment about how I'll be able to play everything because I only have blue cards. <laughs> and then he said he was really rooting for me. He said he wanted to be there when this guy that came out of nowhere who just drafted mono blue for the first time takes down the draft. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I let him down. I let him down hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I don't know how far you want me to go on my journey, but as of today, right now... Um, uh, I am excited to start playing Magic more regularly again. I recently moved into a new house and haven't been able to do that, but I'm pretty settled in here, and I should be able to start doing that soon. Uh, I love drafting, and I love Commander. Those are my two favorite formats. But I also have that modern deck sleeved up, ready to go at a moment's notice. Um, so yeah, that's my journey so far. What else would you like to know? Do you have a favorite set? Uh, ooh, that's a great question. Um, the set that I started in was the Lorwyn block. Morning Tide had just come out. And I really liked that set because it focused a lot on uh, creature types, right? You had your creature races for Lorwyn, and then you had your classes uh, uh, for Morning Tide. And I know enough about games to recognize that. Uh, Creature types probably work well with creature types of matching type. Uh, and the Lorwyn block really solidified that. That was a big theme for them. Um, Is that the set that they came out with the tribal subtype? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Uh, so that is my favorite set. I've never been able to go back and draft it as, a, as an experienced player. Um, and really take advantage of all the, the tribal synergies and that sort of thing, but I always look back on that fondly. Um, that's definitely got to be my favorite set. That was the, the whole tribal thing. That's definitely one of my favorite things. Um, when the Zen, the first Zendikar block came out, and it was you know heavily tribal-focused, um, and I just, I've always been a black player, uh, specifically vampires, and I also like zombies, but vampires are like, you know, that's my tribe, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love the different tribal aspects. So when that block launched and kind of pulled in or brought in all these new zombies, uh, not zombies, all these new vampires um, for tribal players to play with, that specifically has always been my favorite tribe. So when that came out, I was just over the moon um, drafting that and just buying that set to collect was all the cool vampires um, that came out on it. Do you have a favorite creature type? Uh, I don't have a favorite creature type that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, all of my commanders for EDH are dragons. Um, <laughs> but that's not... That's a, Is that just for the colors? No, that's... That, no? That's a, 
the reason they're dragons is a story for another time, but there's a very specific reason for it. The short version is it's my way to pay homage to Elder Dragon Highlander. I was going to ask, yeah. That's, so, that's good. Uh, like that. They're not all Elder Dragons, but they are all dragons, and that was just a choice that I made. Um, so, I mean, that's if I'm going to play... I always look forward to new dragons coming out because it gives me options for new decks to build, but... Uh, uh, I don't know if that would constitute it being a favorite tribe. I do like dragons, though. So we'll go with dragons. Nice. Dragons. Um, so we'll go... We'll talk about guilds and stuff like that uh, later on. So, But before, you know, there were guilds. Obviously, this is timely because of, you know, Guilds of Ravnica just came out. Um, there's another, um, you know, the other guilds are coming out in January. Uh, but before everything was guilds, a lot of stuff was it wasn't just monocolored i mean you could have two three four or five color decks right back in the day but do you have a favorite color in particular uh that not necessarily i mean maybe that you like to play but that you think um it kind of suits your play style for the way you like to play um, is it still blue it is it is kind of blue uh it it evolved excuse me <clears throat> excuse me sorry um so, at the beginning of my journey, the internet said I was a blue player, so that's what I did. I forgot, you, you consulted the Oracle before you started I did. playing. <laughs> um, and that kind of guided me uh, my first few years of Magic. Um, in the lore and block, like you said, it wasn't always monocolor. In the lore and block, I played a crap ton of Merfolk, white and blue. Um, and then after that was Shards, Shards of Alara came out, right? And I focused on Esper, because that was the the blue-centered shard, but that gave me white and black. Um, and after that, uh, I don't remember what came out off the top of my head immediately after that, but it's always there's always been blue in my play style. Um, the, more, the more of an experienced player that I got, I didn't focus completely on blue, I just focused on uh, strategies that I enjoyed. Uh, and then... Like I said earlier, my favorite format is EDH, and through the years of playing EDH, I have come to the decision that uh, blue is probably uh, the strongest color in EDH, either blue or black. Um, I'm not a fan of monocolored EDH decks, but if I was going to build a two-color combination, uh, my go-to would be blue and green. Uh, and then my three color combination is blue, black, green. So that blue, that blue is there. But it, it started out with the internet saying that I'm a blue player, and then it had just evolved into blue, blue being a, a strategy that I enjoy playing. So do you think that? I mean, do you prefer like the control aspect of it or the counter magic part of it? Um, like, what is it about blue that you like? Is do, there anything in particular? Uh, I. Uh, I used to be all about counter spells and that sort of thing until I found out there were more counter spells out there than simply counter spell and uh, cancel. Sure. And once I started finding about out about all the really super expensive counter spells out there and how much money you can dump into getting these. That you can only play cough, it for cough, one force or of zero manner, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I found myself. <laughs> I found myself one day 
investing in cards that I shouldn't have because of the price. <laughs> and then well, we've I all was been like, there. So, <laughs> but they were all, but they weren't fun cards. They were control cards. Uh, and I found myself like, this is a deck that's going to win, but no one's ever going to want to play with me again. And if no one wants to play with me again, what's the point of buying these cards? Um, so blue's got a lot of that counterspell, but uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do in Magic is drawing cards. Uh, you can't play cards if you don't have any cards in your hand. Blue's the best at drawing cards. Yep. Um, so uh, when I play blue in EDH, it's mostly to for drawing cards. Makes sense. Yeah. Nice. So what about you, Chanel? What about what's uh what's your story, guy? Oh god. Um <laughs> Well here's the thing. My brain does not record information correctly when it comes to like my personal stuff, so I had to really think about like yeah, how old was I? Where was I? I don't remember the year, but I can look at the cards and figure out. Uh, it was around nineteen ninety eight. So based on math, I was like eleven when this happened. And my older sister was dating a guy who was trying to be super friendly with his, you know, girlfriend's siblings. And he had just started playing Magic about a year prior and decided to teach me how to play. And gave me a mono red deck with some of my favorite cards, uh, including uh, Raging Goblin, classic. classic. Mob, Mob Justice, deal damage for each creature you have in play. Uh, Razor Wall, a 4-1 first strike defender. Back before defender was even a thing. Yeah. But just just stupid easy, here are these red cards. You turn them sideways. You ask if you win. If they say no, say okay, and then try it again next turn. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the extent of the like super, you know, strategic elements of the game. And that was what I started out with, and eventually I, I also gravitated towards blue, but it's because blue and artifacts went hand-in-hand hand so well, and I think artifacts would honestly be my favorite color, to skip way ahead to the end of your questionnaire thing that you're going through, but <laughs> I, I shifted more towards blue because blue and artifact had more synergy together, and I had started reading the lore books behind magic i didn't have access to all of the internet things that teach did later in life still don't but i'll get there and <laughs> those damn kids <laughs> those goddamn kids and their internet internets <laughs> yeah so i i just loved artifacts because of the brothers war book the yes. urza versus mishra storyline about you know them finding all these thran and phyrexian artifacts and building these machines and uh urza getting a wife and a kingdom because he wanted to get a book that was my favorite goddamn story <laughs> element, where it's, okay, I need that cool book. Well, no, that book is part of the dowry, and only the man who's you know powerful enough to move the statue across the field will win the maiden's hand and get the dowry. Well, yeah, I just want the book, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I really, I really, that resonated me as a child. Like, yeah, girls are cool, but have you tried books? <laughs> so I, I kind of went towards artifacts and built a bunch of really bad decks, including, I forget what, it's like Xanthid Golem or something. It's oh, yeah. really, oh, really God. bad. It's like an 8-8 eight, eight that's not an artifact unless you pay like 8 mana, or it's not a creature unless you pay like 8 mana or something. 
and the flavor text is something along the lines of getting pooped on by pigeons or something and it's just <laughs> just a terrible terrible card but me being like 12 or 13 at the time when i was building this i thought like oh i have i've done it i've become an artificer and i am a planeswalker and i well I, and you're like oh my god it's an eight eight like well yeah and I, just just the whole like i this isn't the 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 stupid mono red deck that i was given this is one that i crafted myself yeah you built it so yourself. i i have my spark has ignited and i'm good at this game and i was not good at that game because uh, <laughs> uh, shortly after uh learning how to play i found out two of the uh, well one one and a half i'll say uh the guys in my uh grade school also played and i'll say one and a half because there was only two other boys in my grade school class at that point in in life and one of them played and the other one kind of put up with the other one playing because they were best friends <laughs> And that that led to some fun interactions of us not being able to know all the rules and look into all the rules because he played a I forget what it's called but it it's a it's a black spell choose a creature type kill all creatures of that creature type it's like for isn't it like forced march or something something Teach, like that do you yeah remember? I have no idea what you're talking about that's fair anyway uh, we we were playing up at his cottage and he was he was absolutely certain that color identity of a creature was its type well yes <laughs> i choose green creatures i kill all your green creatures and i went i don't think that's right i think it means like merfolk or god he's like no it's a green i'm choosing green creatures that's the type i'm choosing and i'm just like okay fine i lose and i got all upset but <laughs> <laughs> you don't but bitch it, yeah but eventually i but eventually i kept i kept learning the game more and started going down to my parents basement with some of these friends from grade school uh, they all bowed out by the time we got to high school, and I had gone completely engrossed in games and magic, and uh, I kind of just scribbled down, like, because magic was the big one, obviously, but I made a list down here of games that I have played since, and, you know, up to including today, and I have ten different trading card games on my list just that I could think of off the top of my head, uh, including magic. So, so I th- what else? What else did you play? Okay, uh, okay. I mean, Ma- Pokemon, magic, right? magic was the gateway drug. Then I got into Pokemon and yep. Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magi Nation and Digimon and the versus system game with Marvel and DC. Uh, and then there was Raw Deal. Yes. Uh, ZG was Raw What's Deal the the wrestling one. Yes, yep. Raw Deal was wrestling. Okay. Um, then there was ZG, which was a uh, collectible card game that also used action figures. I vaguely remember that. Oh, I, I never just, played it, but I vaguely I remember. Just, it. I just picked up some some new stuff from. Okay, when I say new stuff, I mean still sealed product from ten years ago, uh, from a convention. But I just got more of it, uh, like two months back. Huh, awesome. Uh, Warlord Saga: of The Storm was one of the few games that I got actually good at. Like I went to a few big tournaments at Gen Con and I placed. I wasn't fantastic, but I was good enough to do like top half out of you know 300 players which was awesome and uh as of today i've been playing the uh i played three games of the transformers tcg just today alone i've got a insecticons deck that i'm a big fan of so i i went from awkward kid with no hobbies and i i remember distinctively my oldest sister said that you know, she jokingly said you need to get a hobby and then i started collecting them collecting <laughs> hobbies yeah, that was my that was my problem, and 
Now that we're kind of like going into this and looking back at it, I'm pretty sure magic affected a ton of my life because as I was describing this whole, like, the, the whole like artificer and loving artifacts and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure that's why I majored in metals and jewelry in college as an art major. Like that was, was my discipline because I was going to ask you that because yeah, as I, you were talking about <laughs> all that, it was like, oh, well, is that yeah. why you're one now? <laughs> yeah, is that why you do jewelry and welding and you know all sorts of other project things Forge that you things. build? And like, yeah, no, that's uh, this. This has been a good therapy session, guys, and I think we've uncovered some real <laughs> deep seated <laughs> issues. <laughs> but on, I, I seriously think that magic has been like that much ingrained in me that. It has affected, like, yeah, maybe if I, maybe if I get better at blacksmithing, I will actually become a planeswalker, and then I'll go hang out with Urza's Spark, and I'll build my own Karn and make him fight, you know, the pacifist Karn. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That'd be awesome. I'd pay to see that. Yeah. So I've been playing somewhat, like, to to get back to the whole like history then to now for Magic. I've been playing fairly consistently since about '98 until today, with uh, one main drop off. Uh, it was around the time the Tiege started. I was in college, and I didn't have any money, <laughs> so I didn't get heard any. That. <laughs> I didn't get any new cards around Lorwyn Block, and I heard Lorwyn Block was awesome, and I have some of it now. But uh, we were playing a format of Magic called Two Fifty. Two Fifty was also known as Five Color, and it was a minimum two hundred and fifty card deck, and it had to be. It had to have at least, I think. They, they kept changing it throughout the, the game, but I think it was somewhere around 20 cards had to be from each color. Uh, it was not a singleton format, and this also leads into the saddest magic experience I've ever had. Did you say where it was or was not a singleton? It was not. You were allowed four copies. Oh. Yeah. It was a goofy format. We played for Ante. I think I played... <laughs> so you went way back to the OG rules, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anti. Two 250 use ante. Everyone had uh, jeweled birds in their deck to replace the ante. And our play group, you were required to heavily modify your jeweled bird, like write on it, glitter it, bedazzle it, whatever the hell. <laughs> literally so jewel that, it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Literally bejewel it if you had the opportunity. Because it was, it was a mark of pride. Like, oh, I have, you know, I have Bradley's, you know jeweled bird now and nick has mine and this you know this that and the other thing so these jeweled birds would constantly be swapped around so you had to modify yours so that you knew exactly who you got it from uh but we played we played 250 up until when i was in college and when i i forget which year i think it was my junior year sophomore year of college maybe probably junior year uh when i moved into one of the dorms every dorm had its own theme to it and the theme of our floor happened to be magic. This was like Conflux, I think, had just come out. And they made a giant uh, paper craft godseer, I think it is. <laughs> it was like an 8-8 or a 10-10, some giant creature that just makes copies of itself or pumps yes. out other like absurdly huge beasts. And I just went, this is awesome. There's magic players everywhere. So I brought my cards up and I like start going like door to door like, hey, you guys play magic? Who put up the, who put up the magic cards? What are we doing? And you guys want to play 250? And they're like, "What's 250? We're playing, we're playing Elder Dragon Highlander. Like, what the hell is Elder Dragon Highlander?" <laughs> so I had to, so I had to actually change out my deck, and I turned my Sliver 250 deck into a, my first EDH deck of Slivers. But Ooh. yeah, uh, but my my sad story tied in with 250 and that time period. Uh, when I had my 250 deck, I had a playset of all of the original Dual Lands. Oh. I oh. 
sold. Yeah, you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, I was at Gen Con and I sold them because I didn't have a lot of money. And I went, hey, if I sell these lands, which at that point I could get twenty dollars a piece for them, and that was a good deal because they were going for like thirty and forty. I'm like this is stupid expensive. I can get a ton of money from this. So I sold all the dual lands out of my two fifty deck, and I paid for my you know you know food and other stuff while I was down at Gen Con. So what what sets were the dual lands from? Uh, mine were mine were revised and unlimited. Okay. Or revised or unlimited, whichever. Uh, not the not alpha beta printers. I didn't have any alpha beta, but I had. Uh, I I had the others that are now worth hundreds of dollars a piece. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna sell individual cards anymore. I'm not gonna because yeah. as soon as I do, they're gonna skyrocket. They're gonna skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah, which is ironic because now I sell all my magic cards <laughs> constantly for. Oh, I do it for a living. Yeah. Yeah, that's like uh, I had it. I pulled. I mean, it was a non foil version, but I still. Um, I pulled uh, a copy of the first Jace the Mind Sculptor. Okay. And I think at the time he was like, I don't know, 90, 100 bucks, you know? So it was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to trade this in for a box, man. Oh, yeah. And well, he was, now, he, was, he was 150 new. It, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Re- regardless, I, yeah, you know, I traded him for. A box and some packs, whatever. And now it's like, I mean, what's a non-foil original Jace? Two fifty, three hundred? Uh, no, 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 no. The the original ones are still they still hover around a uh, hundred. Is that what or so. it is? Okay, yeah. so I'm just th- so I'm just thinking purely of the foil version then. Yeah, That's the like foil version. Fifty, isn't it? Uh, I think I just price checked one at about five hundred for World Wake printing. Five. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So thanks a lot, World Wake. <laughs> yeah, half a grand for a goddamn piece of foily cardboard. Yep. Yep. When I when I when I was uh, <clears throat> when I moved from Manitowoc to go to Madison, uh, I hadn't heard of EDH yet, and I sold a whole bunch of stuff just to buy a box to of Zendikar to bring with me to Madison. Yeah, um, I sold off a blue black fairy deck because it wasn't standard anymore. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So Vendillion clicks and Vendillion clicks and, and Glenelander archmages and bitter blossoms. And <laughs> oh, God. Later on in my older years, I was pissed at Pastige for selling those cards. Yeah. That's yeah. That's how I feel when I think about some of the shit that I've gotten rid of over the course of time that i've played um i'll get into that later but so <laughs> chanel you said you said you know you're a blue guy and that you were playing a lot of artifacts now this is back when artifacts were brown right so yes. literally you were playing blue brown i was i was playing blue brown dropping the old artifact was dropping artifact, the old brown man. in the blue if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. i just i don't have anything against the silver you know artifacts now but i just love going back and looking at the old ones oh um, yeah especially yeah. like you know if you go back to like uh well obviously alphabeto but um like legends um you know where they've got the black board the, the artifacts the brown with the black border just looked so badass yeah um you know and then they had to do a mirror they had to do mirrored in with which was an artifact heavy set and that was when they switched over to the modern borders where they went artifacts are silvery Slash artifacts are mostly kind of white. <laughs> it was, yeah, right. It was it was super hard to tell just like scrolling through cards real fast, sorting stuff. What was what was white and what was artifact with the uh, with the mirrored and block stuff? Idiots, idiots. <clears throat> so uh, so you played a lot of EDH then after that in college. 
Uh, yeah, we did EDH a ton. Um, Modern still wasn't really that big, or I don't even think Modern was a thing when I was still in college. No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, really? No, not yeah. yet. Uh, we played, We I played some Type 2. Oh, okay. Never yeah. got into Type 1 real much. Uh, I didn't even really play FMs. I I tried to stay as casual as possible because I knew some of the more hardcore players, and a lot of them were jackasses, and I didn't want to play with them and then make bad moves. And even, even to this day, I don't like playing with good players just because I feel the constant judgment... <laughs> Like, oh, why wouldn't you wait until second main phase to play that creature? And I'm like, because I had the mana now. <laughs> oh, that's a rookie play. Well, no, I could afford it, and I, I still won the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember that learning curve. Like, what, what do you mean second main? Like, explain this to me. I just thought, like, I did shit, then I attacked you, then it <laughs> yeah. was your turn. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? You know, like, post I get how instance main works. Phase. Yeah, what are you talking about? Well, and that was... And everyone always... Because... Uh, I've, I've worked in, uh, around college, and well, even in high school a little bit, uh, worked at the game store in my parents' basement. Uh, I helped, or I got, uh, helped start another one when a gentleman bought out what was left of uh, my parents' basement and turned it into Atomic Games. I, I helped him get started, started with that, and I worked there for two years, and then I ran my own game store for a couple of years, and now I run my own game store, hopefully for the next couple of years, <laughs> and just dealing with those people over and over, my absolute favorite thing, and I don't know if this is on track with anything else, but with like the whole competitive nature and people constantly trying to tell you how they're better than you are at things, my favorite, and it happens like eh, once every two or three months. I will get a random person walking in, and it does not matter which game store out of the four or five that I've been involved in now. Uh, I will get a random person walking in, and they'll look at cards in the case and go, Oh, yeah, when I was younger, I used to have all these. I used to have, what's that real expensive one? Black Lotus? Yeah, I used to have a couple of those. I even had some foil ones, and my mom threw them away. Like, everyone, like, I always get one of those stories every <laughs> once in a while where it's, Yes, I had thousands of dollars worth of magic cards that my mom gave away at a rummage sale and blah 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 and <laughs> i had a foiled beta ancestral recall <laughs> yeah and they uh, it's like i know you're lying and i i don't know why you're lying about something that doesn't affect you now and you're only lying because there's no way that you think i can prove you wrong because well, I was gonna you say, you're lying to the it. guy that you're lying to the guy that runs the card shop for god's sakes like <laughs> yeah seriously yeah <laughs> So I'm a little I'm a little concerned that apparently I missed out on at least a dozen foil black lotuses in my life based on how many I've heard were sold at rummage sales in the mid-90s. <laughs> they did not pass through my playgroup, let me exactly. tell you that much. <laughs> exactly. We would have held on to those bad boys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Just people in their goddamn fish stories of magic where it's... <laughs> oh, I used to have all these cards. I had foil versions of that one and that one. Like back never, in my day, like they didn't start doing foils until well after that, sir. <laughs> like, and then those people leave immediately when I call. Well, I must. I didn't have the foil, then I had the other one. I had you know, blah 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 blah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you? Uh, I asked Teach this. I'll ask you the same thing. Do you have a favorite uh, creature type that you prefer to play? I know you said you like to run blue and you like artifacts and uh, the synergy between the two, but as far as creatures go, uh, specifically, do you have a type that you prefer? 
hands down, sphinxes. Sphinxes are my favorite creature type. Sphinx. Always will be. Always Your will sphinx be sphinxes. Your sphinx EDH deck is pretty badass. Oh, God, yes. Because um, it is it is a thinly veiled reading comprehension test. That is what sphinxes are. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I, I love it because not only, like, sphinxes have synergy. And they have a rough theme. And the theme is sphinxes do weird shit. So, I every single time I play that deck, and I don't play it very often. I don't have a lot of opportunities to play like fun sit down EDH group or group games. Um, but I absolutely love when I'll play a Sphinx, and I'll every time I play cards, I have the tendency of just I'll read off the ability for people, and then I'll put it into play, and then they just go, "Wait, what does that do?" <laughs> I'm, having, <laughs> just like, I'm having flashbacks. Let me tell to the you. First- the first ever commander game i played because it was against you and you played the sphinx deck so i very like explicitly remember sitting there listening to you talk as the words kind of just all blend together and then it's like god damn just let me see that like, why would they make that as a card that is i have so- to take notes yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna need you to give me a copy of everything you've played just so that i can reference yeah. it when i need to <laughs> stenographer read that back to me <laughs> Yeah, sphinxes. Sphinxes are fun. Yeah, um, the the only and that's something you see all the time. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I love. I collect sphinxes as well, and I have like two or three thousand of them. There's not that many, and they're mostly garbage. But together, they make <laughs> garbage you will lose to. <laughs> um. So I asked. I asked Teach too uh, about his favorite. Uh, his favorite set. Do you have a favorite set or block or? Um. Well, again, having having played longer and the way my brain works, things just sort of blend together. But honestly, I would probably go back to Invasion. Mm. Invasion was not only a super fun set, I loved the whole, like, you know, culmination of all the little, like, story bits tying together with Phyrexia actually setting foot in Dominaria and the epic war and all five colors having to finally join together to fight off the Phyrexian invasion. But uh, Invasion was also the very first set that, from a collector's standpoint, I got an entire set of. It's the first time I got every single card in Invasion. And I went, ha, I have done it. And I think my dad sarcastically went, so you can play all these cards now? And I'm like, well, no, I can't play all of them together. It's just like... <laughs> just, no, but I just have the whole set. Yeah, it was just that, like, well, what <laughs> what good is that then? Well, no, I have every single one. Yeah, but you're not going to use them all. No, but I have them. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. Shut up, Dad. I'm trying this to... I'll be, I'll be in my room looking at... concern you. Looking at my invasion. <laughs> <laughs> so, did I mean... Did you buy? Do you think you bought more singles then that way to try to complete the set, or did you buy a shitload of boosters? Or uh, it was once once I had started playing. It was around that time when I started. Every time a new set would come out, I would either buy a booster box or I would uh, split a booster box with my at the time brother in law, the one who got ah, okay. me into magic. He okay. and I he and I would pool our money. And buy a booster box to split, and then we would spend the afternoon opening packs and trading cards, and like, you know, balancing out the box amongst what we had. You know, oh, that's cool. Yeah, didn't cool. didn't do a lot of drafts. It was it was mostly just looking for the singles out of the boxes and uh, collecting for collecting purposes. Sure, sure. And obviously, that's before uh, you know Card Kingdom and 
you know troll and toad and you know where you can just buy singles readily yep. on, i had you know, to i had to check the, uh you do it the old way man yeah i had to talk to other people i had to read scry and inquest magazine inquest, to know yes. the value of the cards that i was trying to trade for duelist. and what i had oh yeah duelist i don't think i've ever solved was duelist the one with the dead man's hand uh, i believe so or, yeah i don't think i've ever solved any of those puzzles i was real bad and i remember one of them was uh, like, here's the situation you're in. You have no mana. Like, your lands were just Armageddoned away. What is the one card that you can draw that will help you win? And eventually, so, like, we worked out it was a Maze of Ith you could draw and play and then stop your opponent from swinging stop for lethal. The, yes, stop from the lethal. And yeah. now my current standard deck runs the standard equivalent of Maze of Ith, and I go, ha, I did it again. <laughs> you're so clever. Yeah. Well, because fuck you, Atrada. I don't want you to just exile all my dudes and win. <clears throat> yeah. Is, but is that anyway. even a threat? Atrada? Yes. Uh, there's a, a stand, or one of the guys locally has an Atrada blue-black deck where he's running playset of uh, Atradas, playset of Lazav, the multifarious, so that he can, uh. once it's in the graveyard, he can just make copies. But the, the key mechanic is that artifact mask thing that makes non-legendary copies of a legendary creature so he swings with the copies they're unblockable he exiles the creatures gets the hit counter the token triggers the shuffle back into the library effect but he still has regular atrada on the field to uh to get the win off of all right yeah yeah checks out that card didn't impress me when i first saw it it's being a three five it's tough to deal with in standard just because a lot of people, like, uh, what's the casting cost on that? I don't think it gets hit by uh, the soot removal. No. Because I think the soot removal thing is a CMC3. Um, the new magma spray card is only 4 damage, and it's a 3-5. And Swift Justice, because everyone's running Boros or is it, uh, Swift Justice is, it deals e uh, damage equal to its uh, power to its toughness. Right. So... It gets around a lot of the removal other than just straight exile or straight destroy. And most people aren't running that because they like to just do damage or other, you know, lower cost things. Okay. So I don't think it's tier one in the meta. I think it's awesome. Uh, just for anyone who cares, uh, her casting cost is two, one blue, one black. Okay, so Soot would get her. Yeah. Wait, she's two for a three-five flyer exile creature when she deals combat damage to a player, and then has the exiled creature gets a hit counter when somebody has three, they lose the game. Well, she's four total. She's oh. two, and then sorry, I didn't really explain myself. Okay, you didn't. I'm yeah, like, that's no. that's absurd. <laughs> I'm going to build that deck if, if she's, she's a goddamn dirty. two drop. No, no, she's a so four she's drop. two. Okay, so. Two colorless or two generic. Barbara yeah, Burke. two generic converted colorless, whatever the hell you want to call it. Well, and, and that's one blue, one black. I I liked I liked Zendikar block and I liked the you know, like battle for Zendikar, but having having the ability and the need to sometimes specify colorless versus generic is annoying and the most rewarding thing to go. Excuse me, sir. I believe you mean generic mana, not colorless. <laughs> Oh yeah, I got called out. Someone asked a question uh, one time in one of the Magic Facebook groups I'm in, and I think I said colorless mana because I answered the. I wasn't thinking, and I just wanted to give this guy an answer. Yeah. 
And, of course, the next comment was, actually, it's not colorless, man. Well, and that's the thing. I'm super hypocritical oh, when it comes God, to that. Because you Because I hate, I hate when people do that to me, but I will do it to everyone when applicable. I will just go, <laughs> well, actually, and even if I'm wearing contacts, I pretend push to push up my up. glasses. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm wearing glasses, I have actually pulled them down just to push them back up for that. It's like, you need to know, I'm doing this just to be that guy. Just to be but according to that guy, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess that brings us to me. Uh, and Nelson, who are you? My story. What are you, you, you magicking? I am playing magic. Uh, so, God, Alpha was released, what, 1993, right? Um, which is pretty crazy to think about how quickly the game progressed in its infancy. Um, just all the sets that came out. Because... Um, I started playing in 1995 uh, when 4th edition was released shortly shortly before Ice Age came out. Um, I mean, literally, like, weeks before Ice Age came out. <laughs> so um, I was eight years old at the time, and where I lived um, in Manitowoc was two houses away from uh, one of the public schools. And back then, when uh summer rolled around they would have um park supervisors from the manitowoc parks department so like college age kids that would come and do rec stuff all day um at these parks and since we lived right by one we spent our summers there all the time so i was there and there were kids who were my age and older playing this card game and it was like man these pictures are so fucking cool like what what is this as an eight-year-old i can absolutely Um, see you saying these are so fucking cool (laughs) damn this eight-year-old's hardcore (laughs) i just remember specifically that particular year the the male it was usually one guy and one girl uh because apparently you couldn't have two girls or two guys whatever uh as park leaders so this guy jeremy he was a huge magic player thanks obama right (laughs) And a fantastic artist. And I remember they he took uh, chalk one day, and on the blacktop at the playground, he drew a gigantic um, chromium. Ooh, uh, nice. And it was just like, oh, my God. And he did it with, like, yellow and blue and white. So, I mean, he colored it, and it was – he drew it, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Um, and this other guy that I was friends with, uh, Mark Tenney, his older brother Chris played – ton of magic too yeah mark tenney's a great guy um so mark and his brother chris played so a lot of my friends did so i i ran home from the park one day and i was telling my mom uh you know hey there's this card game it's it's this i want to play the the all the cool big kids play it you know um so much <laughs> hey like mom, TJ's mom pressure but <laughs> and much <laughs> like teach's mom my mom heard magic and you know demons and everything else and uh man i couldn't play dungeons and dragons you know and i mean i was eight at the time but it was you know uh oh you're casting spells and summoning angels and demons and whatever well, and at that point and you're trying to kill uh, your opponent you know? unholy strength <laughs> still had the pentagram didn't it when uh, you were hell yeah it did yeah yeah <laughs> hell yeah, it did. Hell, and, hell uh, yeah i get it <laughs> <laughs> and earthbind still had uh that like snm kind of thing going oh on. yeah the elf chick uh, just getting Yep, tentacled to the earth. <laughs> so I mean, this was back before you know. This was before uh, Tipper Gore got a hold of Magic: The Gathering. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I get it from a parent. Twenty years um, old, topical. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I get it from a parent's perspective. 
Um, I hounded her. I wouldn't let it go. She finally said, okay, you can play under one condition. And that one condition was that I could not tell my grandpa <laughs> because <laughs> she thought he would be disappointed in her, I guess. I don't know. Um, so anyway, the next morning, uh, 12 o'clock sharp, we were, well, I guess afternoon, 12 o'clock sharp, my parents' basement opened. We were there. The guys at the park told me, hey, you need to get a starter deck and a booster pack. Um, you know, that's that's a good way to get yourself started. So um, we walked in. I slammed my money down. I want that and that. The starter deck, I remember, uh, was red and black. You know, it it said starter deck on it, and the pack I got had the Herloon Minotaur. um, Nice. Like, all this is seared into my memory. Um, So, and this is before pre-constructed products. So the starter deck that I bought uh, was 60 cards and a rule book, Um, you know, plus plus lands were the lands included in the 60 i can't remember uh back then but anyway there were lands and then it was very very specific you got three rares nine uncommons and the rest commons based on whether or not land was part of that 60 that i can't remember um so it like i said fourth edition was the first um set they started printing pictures on the booster packs uh from like images from the cards oh yeah, so yeah. i remember very specifically getting the herloon minotaur um I, I wish I could remember more specifics about what I pulled. I do know that um, I pulled a carrion ants because I thought that art was so cool. It made me think of um, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids nice. uh, when they're in the backyard with the ants. Um, I got a t- uh, the rare in the in the starter deck was a time elemental. I, I half expected that. you to go, oh, it reminded me of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that part with the dog. <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> you know, with the ant dog. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the ants reminded me of that dog scene. Not the fucking giant ant in the movie. <laughs> nope, that dog. Anyway. Nope, just the dog. Yeah. Uh, reminded me a lot of Rick Moranis. Um, <laughs> no, so, yeah, the only rare I can remember is um, the Time Elemental. And I I also know for sure that I got a Raised Dead and a Scathed Zombies, not just because they were common at the time, but because I remember the art. Like, that original Raised Dead art was so cool. Yeah. Just that, that zombie with, like, a bad toupee on. <laughs> um. And then the only other card I could I could remember from my first purchase was a pit scorpion, and that's because, uh, you know, you kids play with your infects now, but back in the day we played with poison counters, uh, and we poisoned our opponents. We didn't infect them, um, so I I I remember that. Um, you know, those are just very vivid memories I have. Um, and m- so my parents' basement, my mailman uh, Bob also played Love magic, Bob. so. We used to play magic. Uh, the park would shut down between 12 and 1 for lunch. So we would go home and we would play magic on my porch because I live so close. And Bob also played magic. And once he saw us playing on my porch, he started carrying um, singles in his in his uh, breast pocket. So when he would come, he would give everybody that was at my house magic cards. You know, they were they were commons and and whatever but it was pretty cool that the mailman walked and so after that we never missed a day when the mailman was was coming and we were at home because (laughs) you knew it meant free magic cards um so i i i remember that um and then also i remember he used to help run in the early days uh the tournaments at my parents basement and him and uh jim paul the owner were good friends yep yep so he 
and I, I just remember he would bring like uh, hot dogs. And so, I mean, Bob would feed everybody at these tournaments. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was probably part of the fee to play. Um, but I just, he was such a cool guy. Um, I'm assuming he's long since retired from his mail route. And, uh, uh, he retired a few years ago. Uh, okay. He's still, he's still a games workshop, uh, like representative. Oh, cool. Yeah. He still does. He still does 40 K and age of Sigmar stuff out of his, out of his house from time to time. Okay. Cause I, I remember that too. He was a painter, uh, a pretty avid painter yep, as well. He, he paints uh, miniatures like nobody's business. He is the, he is the best. His speed paintings are better than anything I've ever done with any models. Yeah, yeah, the guy's the guy's awesome. So we we loved him growing up, um, and he's kind of a kind of a legend around uh, you know the the hobby shop in in Manitowoc just because of how long he's been a part of it and all the different things he's into. Um, so like I said, started playing around fourth edition, played through Ice Age, uh, played through you know up through the Urza's block, um, and then kind of took some time off. I can't remember exactly when. It was um, that my first long break started, and then I got back in right around um, the when they started reintroducing corsets. So uh, 2010, 2011. Um, had well, they, of- I was going to say they they didn't stop corsets until uh, M15 was the last in quotation marks, and then they did Origins, which was kind of the last corset and then they said no more corsets until m19 came out but after so there was you know seventh edition eighth edition ninth they edition. went ninth edition tenth edition but tenth edition came out in like 99 i want to say and, and then, then they, they did they go right to and 2010? then they went right to or yeah it was 2009 sorry not 1999 it was 2009 and then they because they went ninth edition tenth edition m10 Okay, but it was so, back to back. Yeah. Okay. weren't uh, weren't corsets like every other year though, or something? Cors- yeah, they corsets were every. Were ever, year. They were every year and a half. Okay, so, that's yeah. what it was. Okay, they didn't but they didn't. They didn't ones until yeah. M10. Until twenty M10. Yeah. yeah. So I I got back in around M10. <clears throat> I played a lot with that and M11 and M12. Um, just because corset reprints were fun uh, i really liked the titans that they introduced um the ley lines were really cool oh yeah. um you know and then like i said uh zendikar world wake um i also at one point i remember buying a box of new phyrexia i wish i had gotten more because that is a set that has aged extremely well in terms of like what the set offered and also what the set is worth now <laughs> um <laughs> So, you know, my I, I still have my Elish Norn um, that I pulled, and I love and cherish her very much just because she's a great card, um, and she's held value. Um, the Praetors in general are pretty cool. Um, you know, and then I, I cooled off a little bit after that and then started to get back into it again, um, actually with everything that just rotated out of standard. Uh, Kaladesh and... Um, uh, Ether Revolt. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I purchased anything from Ixalan other than, if, you know, like loose boosters here and there. Uh, got in a box of rivals, and now I'm kind of back into my getting a box and a bundle at, at least from each set, and then getting whatever singles I need to um, 
after that. So I remember also after I took my break, um, I missed the, the Lorwyn block. So when I came back and people are like, yeah, man, Planeswalker cards. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Planes? <laughs> what? So, I mean, the game had changed a lot um, during the time that I was away from it. And I really had to kind of relearn um, all the new aspects of the game. Er- early on in the game, there wasn't a lot specifically on the card as far as text goes in terms of, you know, second main phase or post-combat main phase or whatever. And now the cards themselves, as the game has grown and become more advanced, so too has the actual text on the cards. So it's kind of relearning like how to play because my original play style was very different from the meta and what well, the game they, was. They complicate things now because they're trying to idiot-proof them. In the like early True. days, it was bury target creature. Yep. And now it's destroy target creature. It cannot be regenerated. You know. Right. Exactly. Or adding now you adding go more to wording to and, yeah, yeah. But they yep. they add more words to try and make it more clear with the already complex uh, already complex nature of the game, and <laughs> it seems just overly unnecessarily worded. But again, it's they're trying to idiot proof it, and it's making it slightly more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, so that was a big change for me, um, having started so early. Um, and then I really took a break during some pretty transformative years for the game and then came back and had to kind of re- Like, what what's a loyalty counter? How do planeswalkers work? Holy crap, these things are overpowered. <laughs> How do I get rid of these goddamn emblems? Right, yeah, exactly. And, like, what do, you, what do you mean I can attack a planeswalker directly? Like, what? <laughs> I can't say I'm attacking, you know, I, I can't just attack your birds of paradise with a creature, but oh wait, yeah, I can, because now I can make one creature fight with the other. You know, all these different mechanics and stuff. So, well, provoke was a keyword mechanic in what, Scourge? Yep, and that was about when I was out. Oh, okay. Um, well, then fine. I guess I'm the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a different game um, that I came back to, but I. <laughs> I still love it. I always have. I always will. It's a ton of fun. Um, you know, I, I've i never been... I like to draft. It's a lot of fun. But drafting, like a limited pool of resources for me, I, I don't know why. I just don't feel comfortable doing that in like a tournament setting because I don't know if I put too much pressure on myself, but my deck building skills, as far as drafts are concerned, are not as good as everybody else's um so i'm very easily intimidated in a drafting setting i like to do it but i go into it knowing i'm gonna get my ass are super intimidating when you're new at the game and unfortunately the only way you get better at drafting is by drafting a lot more yep you just gotta keep doing it i'm gonna throw myself into the deep end and i'm gonna drown and then i'm gonna get resuscitated and then i'm gonna jump right back into the deep end i'm still gonna fucking die and it's just like do it until maybe you don't die exactly a really good strategy is just take anything blue (laughs) don't look at don't read any words just look at the color if if there's one thing i've learned tonight it's it's that i've been doing it wrong um (laughs) i I should not have fallen in love with black i should have fallen in love with blue (laughs) artifacts and sphinxes that's where it's at exactly um but yeah so like i said earlier uh black probably still is always has been my favorite color uh vampires are my favorite uh, creature type tribe whatever you want to call it um tribe. when i 
when I first started, um, one of the cards that I wanted more than life itself, just because of how cool I thought the art was, was the original Singer Vampire. Um, that Nosferatu looking guy with the the veins and the blood streaks, and you know, just his <laughs> tongue out licking his vampire teeth. Like it, it was just, it was so cool and so like evil, and um, you know, I don't know, probably something my mom didn't want me to have, so I had I was to just have gonna it. You say, know? I wonder if your mom liked it. Um, and I remember uh, the other card based on art that I well art and ability I guess uh, that I loved when I first started playing was Royal Assassin um, that original art where it's just like the creepy guy with the eye patch holding the dagger outside the bar where you see the silhouettes of all the people laughing and just, drinking inside I'm gonna kill all these guys it's just, it's just like oh man just so as cool. soon as they're tapped <laughs> exactly I, I'm gonna wait <laughs> um but, I mean, it was also, you know, when the game first started, it was also a kind of a commanding presence on the board. Um, removal wasn't quite as ubiquitous as it is now, and you threw one or two of those on the board, and people were very careful about what what creatures they tapped. Yeah. Because well, in response, you could tap the I was assassin. Say, and that's, that's exactly the thing for, for newer players, not realizing that there are steps and phases to the game that you go through that if you don't if you don't acknowledge it, you don't really think that, oh, yeah, maybe I can act then. So it's, yes, enter your combat and then tap your creatures to declare them as attackers. And before they even get a chance to deal combat damage, then you can respond and kill them with, you know, kill them with that goddamn assassin. And that's exactly that's um, part of the part of the fun of the game. But also, like you just said, part of the learning curve where yeah. it's different than other games. You know, you're not just rolling dice and making a move mm-hmm. because of what the well, dice say like and you as, have to think and plan and, and as somebody who teaches magic on a somewhat regular basis i always 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 drill untap upkeep draw untap upkeep draw untap upkeep draw every single time i teach somebody how to play i will say that over and over because as a new player i remember uh, like distinctively i would okay my turn i draw my new card and then i would go oh okay and then i untap the lands and I would get, you know, kind of scolded by a more experienced player. And I go, what's the big deal? And they would, you know, like, uh, and some of the guys were really cool. They'd point out, like, okay, well, let's say that you have something that during your, un- uh, like, upkeep, you have to sacrifice something. Well, if you already know what you're going to be drawing, you, you know, that'll affect your decision making. And magic is all about making decisions. So, you know, that information, that process is there for a reason. And even if you don't acknowledge it every single time, it still has to happen in that way so that the times where it does become important, you don't get yelled at, you don't get di- disqualified for, you know, cheating. Well, and especially... Uh, they don't have it as much now and i don't even know anything like recent that has it period but back back in the early sets not only did you have like some cards had an upkeep you know like i'm uh, thinking at the top of my head uh, cosmic horror you know you had to keep your three lands and your three swamps tapped every turn or you had to sacrifice it and it did seven damage to you but there were other cards uh that had accumulative upkeep cumulative so, upkeep was a bitch and still is echo right. is terrible and still right. is 
Yep, yep. I hated phasing too. If Mirage, I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck? What is this?" I, I want him to print a creature with phasing and banding that bands with like you know phased <laughs> islands or something, and just watch kids freak out and die. <laughs> banding was another thing that I never understood. At least flanking was easy. Flanking, <laughs> like, yeah. I was gonna say, okay. flanking's not bad. Does flanking he have flanking? I can get. No. All right. All right. Then he gets minus one, minus one. Yeah. Banding. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? What is this ability? Um, <laughs> and phasing. Phasing and shadow are two completely different words. So <laughs> yep. Um, but as far as, I guess, trying to think about my favorite set, um, that's difficult for me to choose. I've been thinking about it since, uh, you know, we talked about doing this and we had the idea for this particular episode. Um, I think, nostalgically, it's probably fourth edition just because that's when i got started i know that the set does not carry a ton of value um i don't care about that it it's where all my favorite memories are from and you know as we were saying magic not only is it a social game where you're playing with other players but it's also very personal to you as a player and your own personal experiences with the game so that is just a very vivid memory that I have when I started playing the game. That was the set. Um, I remember when Ice Age came out, we liked that set too. Everybody wanted a Jester's Cap, um, <laughs> you know, back in the day. But as far as, um, um, like, a more modern set that I like, um, I'm probably, probably would have to say uh, Return to Ravnica. I just really enjoyed that set. Um, there's a lot of cool synergies because of the emphasis on the different colors and obviously the guilds and um, the synergies therein. So I'd probably say um, either the first Ravnica or Return to Ravnica. But not Return to Return to Ravnica? No, I, hey, don't get me wrong. I love Guilds of Ravnica too. I just <laughs> I haven't had a chance to play it enough. Um, you know, I've, I've bought it, but it's only been out for a few weeks and I just haven't had a time, a chance to play many of the cards from it. Um, obviously, that'll that'll change down the road um and you know like teach said my favorite format is and i i only just got into this a couple years ago because i finally played it with schnell um is edh i it's a blast i love multiplayer games edh makes them infinitely better and more fun the possibilities are endless i like how yeah there's a ban list but stuff does not rotate out on a regular basis it's an eternal format um exactly it's it's eternal it's it's a ton of fun and i just like to see all the crazy strategies and builds that that people have um which you're allowed to do because it is an eternal format so i i love edh um i also like playing popper it's a ton of fun um because it's just kind of a different you know um experience so so yeah, that's uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. It's a good story. Hey, thanks. Tell it again. I kind of zoned out. <laughs> uh, we'll just hit repeat. You can listen to it later. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I don't. Do you either of you have anything to add or any questions you'd like to ask anyone else? Uh. I don't think so. No, we talked a lot, and I had ideas, and I didn't write any of them down. That's okay. They've been committed to um, audio now rather than paper. So, uh, okay, we got them here. Uh, <laughs> you can just listen to this again later. And uh, they've been know, committed to remember. audio. <laughs> yeah, 
They've been recorded to There audio. you go. <laughs> Forever on tape. That's what we're doing. Forever on tape. In the abyss of the internet. <laughs> where everything goes. Is it too late to change the podcast name to Committed to Audio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. Yeah. Executive yeah, decision. That's, that's fair. All right. So that wraps up our first episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said before, we'd love to hear from you guys about your magic story. So please drop us a line to homebrewmagicmke at gmail.com or leave a comment here on the show. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. So please tell a friend and make sure that you both rate, review, and subscribe. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, our top 10 favorite magic cards of all time. So please be sure to come back and check us out. Once we've shared our lists, uh, we want you guys to give us yours. And if we get enough feedback from the community, we will talk about community lists in a future episode. Uh, That's all for now, and uh, we'll see you guys in a week. Wait, you can see these guys? Yes, when they sleep. Lucky.